Good morning. How many of you woke up this morning and realized it wasn't snowpocalypse? Anybody? I thought last night, I thought maybe if it snows all the way through the night, I'll wake up in the morning and snow will be everywhere. We're still going to make snowmen today with my kids. We have to because my daughter last night ran around outside. Just I don't even know what she was doing. She was just running around. So She's five, so it's okay. It's normal for that age. She's not a crazy person. My name's John. I'm the lead pastor here. We're glad you're here this morning. If you notice a little bit, Pastor Aaron prayed a little bit earlier and talked a little bit earlier about a bigger vision, and that's the series we're in. We're continuing that series. And if you want to follow along and you like using your phone or your tablet, you can go to YouVersion, which is the Bible app. You click on the bottom right corner, it says more, and then you click on events. And we have an event in there with the notes, the passage, and some announcements. And so you can follow along that way. Today, we're going to be in my favorite book in the Bible from seventh grade. Okay, I have to be honest, from seventh grade. And it's the book of Judges. The book of Judges is a pretty crazy book. If you've ever read through Judges, it, it couldn't exactly be produced into a movie because there's so much violence and different things that happen. And it's pretty crazy. So we're going to hear a story today that God had a bigger vision for someone, for a people, that the people didn't even see it right away. And they doubted. They highly doubted. So we need to go to the Lord in prayer. I'm going to pray right now to ask God to move this morning. Turn, turn to Je- uh, Judges chapter 6. That's where we're going to be. We're going to start, and then we're going to be in Judges chapter 7. We're going to hear the story of Gideon. So let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning that we're able to lift our voices in praise of you. Because, God, you are the God with the bigger vision. The one that is well beyond what we, what we see right in front of us. Help us to see the bigger picture for your church, for our families, for the community. The, the picture that you see, God, as you look down and see us. God, we ask this morning as we hear the story of Gideon, as we hear the, the things that Gideon chose to do because he didn't, he didn't, he didn't want to step out. Lord, help us to be one that was people that see the bigger vision. Help us to be a church that sees the bigger vision that you have for us. Help us to see what we didn't see before. God, we ask this morning in your word that, we, that, we, that you open our minds to, to what we need to change, bring us conviction and transformation through your Holy Spirit. We pray this all in Jesus' name, amen. So in the first five minutes of a movie, I can tell who the main character is fighting for. If it's a Hallmark movie, it's three minutes because they have that spontaneous random occurrence where they meet each other, right? Usually it's embarrassing. There's the guy fighting for his girl, okay? There's the older brother that always fights for the younger sibling. You ever see a movie where kids are on the playground and all of a sudden, this one kid's like, well, so-and-so is my older brother. Okay, we won't fight you. We won't, and we won't bully you. The best feeling that you can have in your entire life is when someone wants to fight for you and stand up for you. You ever have that moment where you wish someone would step up? People are making fun of you or saying things that you, you're like, no, that's not really true. when you're struggling to do something and someone steps in to finish it, I can tell you that I am not really good with cars. And so any time I need something fixed on my car, I go to the mechanic 
or I talk to someone I know and I get help because I can't do it. When you're struggling to do something and someone steps in to finish it, that's the best feeling in the world. And we don't realize this many times, but in reality, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, we serve a God that fights for his people. He, just does, he doesn't just sit on the sidelines. He's not over here and out of the picture. God fights for his people. And today we're going to look at the bigger vision that God had, that God gave Gideon, and see how God fights for his people. It's not always what we think it is. It's not always a physical fight. Maybe it's a spiritual fight, an emotional fight. But God fights for his people. Turn with me to Judges chapter 6, verses 12 through 16. As we look at Gideon, remember, don't think Gideon's not like you. Because <laughs> a lot of us do things like Gideon did. And we're going to see how he made God's vision smaller. Like, no, this couldn't be. He doubted. He couldn't figure out why or how God was going to do this. And then God did something infinitely more than he thought he could do. So Judges chapter 6, verses 12 through 16, says, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. I'm telling you this. Let's stop right here for a second. He just called him a mighty man of valor. Anyone not want to be called that? No. God is, God is so good. <laughs> Continue. It's a, and Gideon said to him, please, sir, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? So he starts complaining. And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But the Lord has forsaken us and given us to the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Did, do I not send you? And he said to him, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, I will be with you, and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. There is a bigger vision here for Gideon. The angel of the Lord says something. This is what he starts off with. The Lord is with you. Maybe that's what you need to hear this morning. The Lord is with you. God is with you. You're not alone. And then he goes even further and he says, you are a mighty man of valor. God is present with us. Isn't that amazing? I, I mean, maybe I'm, maybe I'm overdoing it, but God is here with me. And that's what Gideon's told. And then, right away, in verse 13, what does Gideon do? He knows the truth. He knows God is with him. He knows he's a mighty man of valor, but he doesn't believe it because he's seeing the circumstance in front of him. Sometimes our circumstances blind us from what God's really doing. And he starts with this. Woe is me. We ever start with woe is me? My daughter's response to everything. She's five, my son's three. My daughter's response is specifically, he did it. It's not my fault. He messed it up. Do you see what I'm getting at? Woe is me. That's our first response. His response is woe is me. Our response is woe is me. And then something else that Gideon does, but we want, we want God to do stuff for us. Right? Isn't that most of our prayers? God, do something for me. Mend this relationship, but I'm not going to make any effort. Men, do this. And God can do those things. Gideon wants God to do something for him. But it's exactly like how we relate to God. If you know the truth but don't believe the truth, you're going to do the same thing Gideon did here. 
right away, what does God respond with? Have I not sent you? I did send you. You're the one. You're the person I'm sending. I I don't need to send anyone else. It's you. You ever hear that? Where God says, no, it's you, and you want to avoid. Do you not have might? You're not strong. God says he's strong. Do you not see what I've given you? And so Gideon pivots here. We all, we all have kind of defense mechanisms, and Gideon pivots, and he kind of gets this false humility. He's scared. If you've been scared, you start saying really, really dumb things. I, I've said dumb things when I'm scared. <laughs> and so you, as you say things that aren't true, and he goes, he tells God, after God already said he's a mighty man of valor, he says, I'm the weakest in my tribe, and we're the least out of all the people. I'm the weakest and the least. This is after God says he has might. He's not believing what God says he is. So the question I have, are we who God says we are or who we say we are? That's a question everyone has to ask every morning when they wake up. Am I who God says I am or who I say I am? In verse 16, he says, no, I'm not going to just do something for you. I'm going to do something through you, because Gideon is, is going to be the leader of this group. If we follow God's plan, it also says we're going to be one together. We're going to be together. And then he repeats something. If he didn't say it enough already, he says, I'm with you. I'm with you, I'm with you, I'm with you. My son, who's three years old, I know I bring my kids up a lot, but my son that's three years old, I was telling people this morning because he spent a whole week of yelling at three in the morning Mommy, come get me. Daddy, come get me. We're right here. It's okay. Stay in bed. Right? Every parent understand what that's like. We're right here. But he didn't want to listen. My three-year-old son's like, no, you're not right here. I'm like, I'm not sleeping on the floor in your room, okay? We, We have this little debate. The reality is God is there with us in the room all the time. We can communicate with him much like Gideon had the opportunity to do. He's there. And God is very clear. He wants you, us, as a church, to be used for greater purposes than anything you can do on your own. We need to do it together. So I have some questions. When I look at Gideon here, I have some questions that that came to mind. Are we living lives just asking God to do something for us or through us? Are we willing to allow God to use us Or do we want him to do something for us? Are we hiding behind this false humility because we're scared of sharing our faith? You know, I've had so many people in my lifetime tell me, I don't know what to say. And sometimes the easiest thing to say to someone is, I love Jesus and this is why. Anyone can say that if you're a believer. Gideon doesn't stop with this false humility though. And if you read, the more, the more uh, common story is towards the end of this chapter. It talks about the fleece. And he, he doesn't just test God once, but he tests God twice. Repeatedly, because, because he doesn't understand. And there's only one thing that in the entire Bible it says to test God about. And it's definitely not testing God about whether or not he's speaking to you. And he's telling you to do this. I talked last week. And I mentioned this just in in a little snippet, that we serve a God of unlimited resources and abilities. And so God only says one thing in the entire Bible. 
Test his giving because he's going to outgive you. There's no way that you can give more than God. You can't outgive him. And there's a verse that many people twist. And I'm going to mention this, so make sure that you, you understand it. Some people twist this word in Malachi, Malachi 3.10. So you can turn to Malachi 3.10 if you want. But some people twist this passage. But the reality is, all God's saying is, he's got infinite resources. It's not about what we give to him, but it's the infinite resources. So Malachi 3.10 says, bring the full tithe to the storehouse. Bring the offering that there may be food in my house. And thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down you a blessing where there's no more need. As a follower of Jesus Christ, God is going to give you so much. And it's not what we think. It's not just material resources. God's going to give you so much that you can't outgive God. It's not an excuse for some prosperity gospel. I talked about that in November. There's no, this is not like I give to get. It's I give because God's already given me so much. If we're not giving back to the God of unlimited resources, what he's given us, I mean, if we're doing that, we can never equal what he's given us. It's kind of like someone giving you a gigantic loan that you can never repay, and yet they're not asking you for payment back. But you want to give payment because you're so, in, so grateful for them. We can't outgive God. And so the questions I, I, I'm left with when you talk about the fleece, he's, he's testing God, he's testing God, but the reality is God's already going to give something to him. God's giving Gideon resources that he needed. It starts out, in, in, and we're going to see in a second, 32,000 men and goes down to 300, and somehow that does the task. Obviously, the God of infinite resources doesn't need what we think he needs. Are you giving to God, God's mission? Because when we give to God's mission... It's scary. You go beyond what you actually think is okay because a bigger vision requires not just you, it requires God in the picture. Because if you look at it like this, a bigger vision can only happen in our church and in our life if God shows up. So think about it. If God doesn't show up, then it won't happen. It's as simple as that. That's how big it's gotta be. Some of the biggest moments in my life came from when someone was generous and I didn't expect it. I remember in, I was in seminary, and the, the, if you've been around seminary students, they're poor, and so I was definitely poor. And I remember God doing something one day that just like, I, I, I lost it because I didn't know it was gonna happen. But I, I, I had no money in my bank account, and I had about 10 days before I was gonna get paid for my job. And I didn't know what to do. It's not like I overspent, I just didn't have any money. And so, randomly, someone gave me money and didn't even know my need. That wasn't that person. It was only like 20 bucks. But it wasn't that person. But, like, God knew I needed that. And that was, that was money. Well, what about this? What if someone found you a place to stay when you needed it? What if someone shows up and says, is there anything you need? And you realize that's the very person God sent to you. It, 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 I had friends help me move in the middle of the night that I wasn't expecting. I mean, there's so many different ways that this happens because Gideon is not thinking of those things. He's not thinking of this bigger vision. He's thinking of his small, like, we have 32,000 men and we can't do this with 32,000 men. These Midianites, they're too big. There's too much. But then God is a God of infinite generosity and he's infinitely generous when we ask him for signs of grace. So with the fleece in chapter, at the end of chapter six, he continues 
to fall through the test. He creates two miracles. And it doesn't stop there, though. It doesn't stop there because God's grace is, is so much bigger than that in this moment. And his power in this moment is huge. You turn with me to Judges chapter 7, verses 2 and 3. It says, The Lord said to Gideon, The people with you are too many for me. Give, me, give the Midianites into their hand, lest Israel boast over me, saying, My own hand has saved me. If it's a bigger vision, you can't boast about it. If it's a bi- bigger vision, you can't say that you did it because there's no way you could have done it. Simple as that. It says, Now therefore, proclaim to the ears of the people, saying, Whoever is fearful and trembling, let him return home and hurry away from Mount Gilead. Then 22,000 of the people returned and 10,000 remained. What? Now there's less people. Any of you have God call you to do something and you're standing here and there's people standing behind you and you're speaking out and you turn around and they're all gone? (laughs) That's what's happening to Gideon right now. We're going to go further and further and further. The people's vision was so small that 32,000 people weren't enough. In our culture right now, what happens when there's overwhelming odds? We get depressed and we give up. We're done. But when a bigger vision happens, it it will be in such a way that we can't say anybody did it but God. It's clearly not us. There's no no way we can manipulate or or change what it is. Gideon is sitting there going, God, what are you doing? I'm getting anxious. There's people leaving, and you're telling me you're still going to do this? Are you sure? We have pride in ourselves when we think we did it. And we don't give God the glory. We blame God when things go bad, but want credit when God works things out. If if we think we're the boss, if we think we're in charge, we're a really bad boss. Because what we do is we blame the people around us when stuff goes wrong, let's say. And when things are going well, we want full credit. And that's how our relationship with God is with a bigger vision. No one wants to work for or with someone like that. So God, God is, is kind of refined Gideon. If you reach the rest of chapter 6, there's a lot of stuff that God does there. But God still continues with his infinitely patient character. And so if you turn with me to verse 7, Judges, Judges 7, 7. It says, And the Lord said to Gideon, With the 300 men who lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hand and let all the others go every man to his home. Anyone feel more dev- devastated now? 32,000 wasn't enough. 10,000 definitely wasn't enough and now we're at 300. I think I need to go to a therapist now. That's what Gideon's saying at this point. I am anxious beyond all reality. Even though this is a tiny number, God is going to work through those that have faith. The people's vision was so small that 32,000 couldn't do it. But 300 can because God is a part of it. And if you hear anything this morning, because maybe you came in this morning and you're listening to this and you're like, well, that's great, but honestly, nothing's working in my life right now. I'm going to say one phrase, and this might remind you this week to think about this. God causes the decrease to give the increase. He caused the decrease in the, in the people of Israel here. 
He caused the decrease to give the increase. Because guess what? The increase we're going to see is God fights for his people. And you know what? He doesn't fight fair. If the people thought 32,000 can do it, 300 are going to do it because God does not fight fair. But not in the way we think. It's actually the opposite. We think, well, we need more people. No. We need God on our side. That's how he fights for you. And this, the, the, the ending of this is, is Judges 7, 21 and 22. The ending of this bigger vision that God has for Gideon and the people of Israel. And it, I've been thinking about this all week. This is a huge, huge passage. I would encourage you to read all of this about Gideon. There's a lot of things Gideon does here that we do. And there's a lot of things God does that maybe we don't see yet. And so verses 21 and 22 says, Every man stood in his place around the camp, and all the army ran. They cried out and fled. When they blew the 300 trumpets, the Lord set every man's sword against his comrade and against all the army. And the army fled. They fled and they fled and they fled. They stood in their place how God had told them to. Church, that's what we need to do sometimes. Stand where God tells you to stand. Move if God tells you to move. But stand in the place. What happens is nothing short of miraculous. The, the, the people ran scared from 300 men. And I'm assuming if 32,000 couldn't handle it, there was probably more than 32,000. Let's just say over 32,000 people ran from 300 men. They didn't even have to fight. Maybe you're fighting a battle and you don't realize that God's in your corner and you don't need to fight anymore because he's fighting for you. You ever, you ever try to force an agenda on something and then you realize it's your agenda? Sometimes we do that and we're like, no, that's not God's agenda for us. That's not what God's telling us to do. When God has a bigger vision, he's going to fight for you. He wanted to use a couple things, and I, I am blown away at this passage. He wanted to use the last. Gideon stated it very clearly. He is the last in his tribe. He's the last person you'd think to do that. Maybe you feel like that sometimes. You're the last person that would ever do what God's calling you to do. You're the last person. Or maybe you're the least. Because there's only 300 men. 300 men that were willing to stand because God told them to stand. 300 men that were left to stand. Maybe you're afraid to stand like that. Because when you look at numbers, you look at the people around you, you realize everyone's turning away. No one's taking a stand for this or a stand for that. Remember, God uses the last and the least, and he fights for his people. The story God wrote with Gideon is not done yet. And I'm not talking about in the Bible. I'm talking about with us. Even now, as we ask God for his power and God provides, he moves through his people. He uses us. He uses us. God fights for his people to see us have him move through us. The vision of Sunlight Community Church is to see God move through you. Why do we want to see God move through you? Because that's a sign of God moving and not us moving. 
And maybe you're thinking, what does that even mean? What it means is going to God and asking. That's the first step. God, use me. Use me. Open my mind to the needs that I see around me. Open my mind to the the, the people I work with. Help me to listen well. Help me to speak up when I need to. So what are we fighting for, church? What are we fighting for? What, you know, some people use the word fighting, and, and really, honestly, that word right now sometimes has a very political mindset and is very negative. But, but fighting for something, if we see in the story of Gideon, was just standing on a hilltop and listening to God. It wasn't a fist fight. It was just doing the right thing and listening to God. What are we fighting for? What are we, what are we striving to be? God is moving in historic ways around the world. If you follow the news in China, they are literally tearing down megachurches after megachurch after megachurch the last two years because God's doing an amazing work there. But yet the government is trying to stop it. But God's work won't be stopped by any human being. But it's not happening here. Why is it not happening here? The overwhelming narrative in the United States is churches are closing their doors. People are dying and we don't know what to do for the next generation. Why isn't it happening here? Why not fight for that? Why not say, we're going to do something different? We're going to be like Gideon. In the end, Gideon is a great guy. I mean, Gideon goes through a lot of problems. He's like, oh, I can't do this. I don't know. He's got all the insecurities. I can identify with Gideon because he's anxious when I would be anxious. Do we want to be a part of what God is doing? Or are we fighting for our own plan? Or God's mission? Which is it? God's mission or our own plan? That's the question, church. I I have that this morning. Are we going to fight for God's mission all across the world, wherever we go, wherever we are? Or are we fighting for our own plans that we've set up to do? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, We come before you this morning and and, and we know that your bigger vision for us as a church begins and starts with you. It's not about us. And we want to see you move through us in the community, all over the world, so that you receive the glory, so that you are the one that we can praise And God, we just ask if we're here this morning and we're hurting, questioning you, God, allow us to see part of the bigger vision you have for us. Allow us to to move past the things we see in front of our face to see the bigger vision in your word. Allow us to, to realize that 300 men made a stand and overcame over 32,000 men and never had to lift a finger to fight because, God, you fight for us. Help us to leave here knowing that and living in that reality that you fight for us, God. We say all this in Jesus' name. Amen.